Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And this is episode 128, and it already has a title at the start. It's called What's the Difference? What is the Difference? And I'm going to be asking you a couple of questions, uh, Dave, in a, in a moment um, about what's the difference between something and something else. It's a classic sort of joke setup, isn't it? Yeah. From our childhood years. What is the difference? Oh, um, and it makes me think of the story you tell about yeah. Bill Bailey. Yes. The, uh, when they started doing joke competitions in the uh, comedy clubs, it was always, you know, what is the difference between whatever's in the news today and yeah. something else? Donald uh, Trump and a zebra. Yeah. 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 And uh, Bill Bailey was a regular sort of performer these days, and he always used to put in uh, the answer, eight quid. Yeah. And that was, the, that was the answer every time. And they won lots and lots of times. Yeah. You know, what's the difference between Donald Trump and a zebra? Eight, Eight quid. quid. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. And it's, but the beauty of it is, and what, I guess what that teaches you is how important, the, how important rhythm is to a joke, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And it goes back to, we, we've gone back to it a number of times thinking about it. The episode we recorded with Jason Hazley. Oh, yeah. Um, who also waxed lyrical about his favourite show, Ever Decreasing Circles. And Jason also is not only an absurdly talented comedy writer, but uh, he's also a musician and p- plays with Porter's head mm. sometimes when they need a keyboards player. Yeah. And um, he, his theory is that comedy is music. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot in that, isn't there? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think there's a lot of truth to that. And a lot of, a lot of shows, I'm talking mm. about it in Seinfeld as well, very much that. I think there's that scene of, um, uh, the, the scene where, I was actually looking for the quote where um, George Costanza says, you know, it's not going to be hard to write. You know, we're talking about a sitcom because <laughs> they're actually talking about going into into the network, NBC, into NBC, yeah. and pitching a show about nothing. Yeah. And he says, "What is the show? The show about nothing." And eventually, yeah. Jerry says, "I think you may have something here." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just got such a wonderful rhythm to it, hasn't mm. it? Yeah. And um, I think rhythm is a much underused and under underplayed mm. thing. And actually, that brings us on to our first thing. It's not quite our first. What's the difference? But hearing an actor reading a line and writing an act, a line for an actor that's easy to be read will have come up because, Dave, you recently attended a thing called Female Comedy Pilots, yep, this which is, sounds like an indie band. It does, yeah. <laughs> and it also sounds like uh, something to do with the Air Force, but it's n- neither of those. Yeah. But it's uh, a group of women who are sort of energised by the Writers Guild uh, Equality Rights mm-hmm. campaign a couple of years ago, where it was pointed out that over the last 10 or 20 years, uh, approximately of the 100% of comedy that's written comedy has gone out on radio and TV, uh, 89% written by men and 11% by women. Uh, and which, curiously enough, is not the same as the percentages in the world. Hmm. So, uh, obviously, there is a sense that, well, how come if the women make up approximately 50% of the planet, how come... Uh, there are only 11% of writers and, and, and there are obviously Some lots log- of logical arguments with regard yeah. to the fact that 95% of midwives are women and that's probably fine yeah okay yeah. let's not get too yeah. <laughs> let's not go, but, go too deep in that. but given the fact that women do write and there are female yeah. novelists and there's yeah. lots of it just seems a bit odd that comedy especially in TV is yeah. not particularly well represented in that yeah. area so um, so uh, one or two uh, Kay Stonham being one of them yeah. has got this thing going yeah with um, uh, Abby Burdess. Yes. Uh, of this of this of parish this, as well. Yes, indeed. Um, both have been on this podcast. Yeah. And last night they also got one of the big guns in, didn't they? What they what they do is they they uh, get two scripts and they, they they get a bunch of actors to to perform a script read uh, in front of a, a, a live audience, which is great. And the, the Museum of Comedy. 
and uh, which is a lovely venue by the way perfect venue yeah and it's great and uh, they had a show uh, by a new writer who I hadn't heard of uh, called Carol Walsh um, called Spoiler and then they also had a comedy drama uh, a slightly longer script uh, written by Georgia Pritchett who is uh, probably one of the most um, most successful comedy female comedy well, successful comedy writers really yeah. over the last 20 years she's uh, had a string of successes she's written all sorts of she's written all the shows that we've written on I'm sure she's written yes. on My Family and she's had but, her own she had a police squad yeah, series thing. but then she sort of ended up doing Veep and all yeah, those sorts of shows thick of it uh, yeah. I'm not sure if they think of it she's done Veep and she's mm. now working on uh, Succession which yeah. uh, run by uh, Jesse Armstrong she knows scripts she does yeah she is a brilliant script writer in fact I've worked with I, I wrote with her uh, she did a series with um, can I say Car- Carrie Quinlan but that's Obviously not, Carrie. Um, uh, Car- You're thinking of Caroline Quentin. Caroline Quentin. Another is, uh, CQ. Yes. Caroline Quinlan also of this Paris. There's a great episode if yeah. you go back and listen uh, to our interview with Caroline. Um, Carrie. Carrie, not Caroline. But <laughs> Caroline, never Quentin, Caroline Quentin. Caroline Quentin. Not yet. Men Behaving Badly, yes. Fame yes. and others. And Jonathan Creek, which I yeah. used to love. And love she did uh, this uh, series, Life of Riley, which I wrote. Uh, that was, there was about three series of that. So uh, she's she, know, she knows what she's doing. And but the listeners are thinking, well, good for Georgia. Yeah. Um, but it's worth pointing out that, that I suspect because Georgia was involved, they were able to get a decent cast to read her mm. script. And so actually you've got a new writer having their script read yeah. by a sort of a weapons grade cast. Mm. Um, you had like Amelia Bullimore. Amelia Bullimore, who was actually in the first sitcom. Mm. Uh, and you had um, Greg... Greg um, McHugh. Sorry, uh, yeah, Gary Tank Commander, Greg yeah. McHugh, who's a great actor. Yeah. And uh, that, that was brilliant. And, and a lot of other people, yeah. um, not, not quite so well known, but certainly good, mm. you know, absolutely, you know, Top, top of the range yeah. uh, character actors, you yeah. know, good, good comedy performers, and um, it's a, it's it's fantastic. Uh, so the, the, I suppose the what is the difference here is you know what is the difference between the script that you have written that, that is as perfect as you think it can possibly be and as funny as it possibly yeah. be and the script that is then performed with an audience mm. and uh that and it really is a um you you it, it's it's fantastic there's a, a great audience big crowd very supportive um but you know you know when the, the the things that you want to hit don't hit and and then but then lots of things hit that you thought that's never going to work and, well, that's uh, not even a joke. That, that's not a joke. Mm. But something, you know, just in the room and just the way there was one guy, uh, and I can't remember the name of the actor, but he, he in uh, the Georges one, and he had, he had about three lines in the first half hour. Um, but each line was suffused, and, and you know, three words almost. Mm. Was, there was so there was so much kind of meaning to his, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that you know got massive laugh on yeah. that, and that's a, that's the kind of joy of seeing your script brought yeah. to life as a that's something that you hadn't thought. Oh, well, this is just this is the, yeah. the this is the lead up to the next big gag, and yeah. it gets like a massive laugh. So it's it, it's brilliant from that point of view. So women listening to this, uh, I re- recommend that you uh, check out the name Female Comedy Pilots. You'll, I think you'll find it on Facebook. Yeah. If not, you can find it via the um, if you go to the Museum of Comedy website. Yeah. Um, so I would say a, so application one. Um, this is a great opportunity for for uh, women in writing. Application two is this is another thing for men and women to go and see being recorded. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't record them. They're not really recording them, as it were. But it's a really good place to go and hear a script read out loud. 
and imagine how you would feel if it was your script. Yeah. Um, and of course, you can then also go and see Radio 4 comedies uh, being recorded. But that's worth bearing in mind. There aren't that many scripted Radio 4 comedies recorded live in front of audiences at the moment, for whatever reason. Right. The ones I'm thinking of, like Ed Reardon's week, is not in front of an that's audience. That's not audience, no. uh, Claire in the Community is, but I don't yeah, know if that's... that's finished uh, now. That's, that's now finished. But, but it is worth going along to... Yeah especially a radio recording rather than a TV recording. A TV recording is a bit of a gruelling marathon. And apart from anything else, there aren't any, apart from not going mm. out. And there's going to be the new Andy Hamilton, Guy Jenkins one. Okay, great. Okay. But this is few and yeah. far between. But also, there's a massive difference as well, because if you go and see a, a, a TV audience sitcom being made you you're stuck in the theater for about th stuck in the studio for about three hours yeah uh as they record scene one and you've laughed and you know what's going to happen but then you know, they record scene one again because somebody's hand was in shots no they just do it again anyway yeah. usually i mean as well okay. for and safety then, and then yeah. and then that third take of that final bit yeah but then sometimes you see the fifth take of this scene and, you know, you're already, you're half an hour in and you've mm. seen one scene and you're really getting a bit fed yeah. up now. Um, whereas a radio, because it's in your head and, you, you know, you don't, we, there aren't pictures, there aren't props mm. to go. All the props are in your head, all the, the, the set is in your head. So it's all spoken. And, and generally, an audience sitcom is recorded in the time it takes to listen to it. Mm. And there'll be like maybe five minutes of retakes at the end of it. Um, so yeah. you, you, a half hour, a half hour sitcom uh, in, on radio is the same as seeing it live. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's it's it's, radio it's much less of an ordeal. Are, are are actually good fun and well worth listening to. And mm. so it is worth going along to them, getting a bit of experience, and it's sort of imagining how it would feel if you were the writer. Yeah. Um, I'm slightly inured to it now, um, having mm. done quite a few. But even then, especially when it's when it's your own show and your own script, mm. um, you are waiting for that first laugh. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, you've had mm. rehearsals and, and mm. read-throughs and, and that kind of business to get to that point. I never lost it in about, we did about 60 episodes of uh, the 15-minute musical. And mm. I, I didn't see all of them, but I saw probably most of them. Yeah. And, and I never lost that feeling in the stomach of absolute, you know, kind of, oh, yeah. God, you know. Are they going to laugh? Laugh now. You know, yeah. It's only a 15-minute long show. Yes, that's right. And you don't laugh in the first 20 yeah. seconds, you yeah. know, we've got a bit of a problem. Yeah. No, so, and, and then the other application, really, to, to think about is, um, is to think what... What could I do to create that kind of effect of just reading my script out loud? Mm. So obviously you can read it out loud. Um, don't do it on the bus. People will think you're strange. But if you know anyone who can actually read anything out loud, even if yeah. you don't know that many actors, you probably do know one or two actors. But anything that you can do just to hear it read out loud, the, the flaws and problems with your script become very obvious very quickly when you realise that after after eight pages of people talking, nothing's <laughs> happened, and you are yeah. already painfully aware that this is actually now quite boring. Mm. Um, or, you know, uh, and obviously, when you do work with experienced comedy actors, they do bring something. And, you know, I was first made aware of this when I, when I in back in the days when you could actually get hold of Olivia Coleman. Right. You know, and she just sort of found laughs where there weren't any. And you just yeah. think, I don't know why the audience laughed at that, but they laughed at yeah. that because Olivia Coleman's adorable and wonderful. Mm. Um, and so you won't, and so you, you probably won't get that quite level of performance, but actually just mm. the discipline of hearing some people not quite coming to it cold, but just 
you know, hearing it. It, it does. It, it's good for bursting a bubble if if you're yeah. if you're a bubble kind of person who thinks, why on earth isn't my show on TV? It's a whole lot better than all the rubbish that's on TV at the mm. moment. Well, all right, Re- read it out in front of some people and yeah. then and then see how you feel. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's always true. Um, even from the point um, stepping backwards, even you know what's what is the difference between the thing in my head and the first thing that I write down? Yeah. So that's you know that's the difference between the naught draft and the first draft. Yeah. And and, and that's why when you say oh, this is my tenth draft or something, and people go what? Mm. Uh, well, you know, you went from naught to one, and and all, all you did was type it. Yeah. Uh, and that's already you've already changed it in that time because mm. it was just a sort of moment of jumbled mm. uh, light bulb in your head that yeah. then you put the words down and then you look at it again and go mm, that's not right and then so you know it, you, you are constantly changing yeah. you are yeah. constantly changing what you write i mean it's almost like a sh- I, I, i'm going to quote the schrodinger's cat thing isn't it it is almost mm. like you don't really know what whether this is funny or not you sort of get a gut for it you mm. get an instinct for it but you don't really know until you open the box and discover whether the cat is alive or dead mm. yeah um and which is why tangentially since we're on the subject mm. if i could write an extra chapter for my book the sacred art of joking mm. it would be a plea for people to fully appreciate the fact that a stand-up comedian doesn't know how yeah. it sounds until he said it in a room Absolutely. full of people. Yeah, and in fact, you know, if you go and see uh, someone like Milton Jones, who mm. we've spoken to, uh, or you know, Lee Mack, any big names, yeah. you go and see them live, uh, and they you see a, a two-hour show. That's usually probably about uh, the, they've, they've spent a year before that. Mm. They, they they've written. 10, 12, 15 hours of stuff and mm. they've gone out there and they've, they've gone to little clubs and they've tried it out and they've tried it out 10 times or they've got, and there's a whole, like there's a little scene of clubs in sort of Richmond and Kingston yeah, around yeah. there. There's like these sort of 10 clubs. Yeah. And, and, and someone quite famous might suddenly pop up. Someone quite famous will do 10 gigs in a night. They'll turn up, you know, uh, Al Murray will turn up with a five-minute routine. Yeah. Uh, they'll do it in Kingston, and then he'll go over to, to uh, St. Margaret's and do it It's like it a there. comedy lottery, isn't it? Yeah. Buy, buy a ticket in, in, yeah. in London for a comedy club, and someone yeah. off the telly might turn up. And so you've got, you know, you've, you've, you've tried out that routine in front of ten different audiences, hmm. and there's only th- there's three lines in it that work yeah. every time. Yeah. And those are the only three lines that will survive. Yeah. Because you you know you really are when when you're at that level that mm. that's kind of what's happening. Yeah. So um, you know that's as James says mm. you don't you really you honestly don't know yeah. and no nobody knows and, and and anyone who thinks they do know yeah. uh, is is deluding themselves. Yeah. And you do you you obviously your your first draft gets better slightly mm. yeah. your comedy instincts get better. Um, but actually it is surprising how you read back your draft one or two and just think, why did I think that would be funny? Or actually quite often you realise that you've broken your rules um, and actually you thought that you could get away with it because you thought you knew what you were doing Mm. and it turns out that you've got to respect the form. Mm. Um, But just to mention, we've mentioned Milton there, uh, if you join us on Patreon, you can listen to that full Milton Jones interview, which has not yet been uh, released, um, but will be released um, at some point um, in the next few months. But if you want to listen to the whole thing unedited, where Milton talks about his process as well, then join us on Patreon. 
So we've been talking about what's the difference. Well, here we go. Segway into what's the difference between mm. being a stand-up and being an actor or a character. And you've been thinking yeah. about this a bit recently, yeah. haven't you? Uh, in terms of writing, when you're writing, and, and we, we've done uh, episodes where we talk about, you know, what, what is a joke? How do you write a joke? And a, a lot of, if you're starting out in comedy and you want to write sitcom, um, it helps if you can build a career to begin with writing one-line jokes because that's where initially most of the work is. You can write one-line jokes. Uh, there are a lot of online sites now mm. that do pay for uh, jokes. I mean, it's a bit of a wild west now. There's yeah. no, no point in giving too much advice yeah. because the thing I mentioned might well have gone by yeah. the next time. I think Comedy Wire is the one that I know that's generally around that most but, people... But, you know, but the the yeah. other offices are still open, which would be Newsjack, yeah. which runs twice uh, a year. Breaking the News, breaking which the is news on 20 weeks a year, I in, think. At the BBC Scotland yeah, show. That's yeah, that's So one-line gags. Um, but in terms of, uh, if you think thinking about, in terms of writing for uh, one-line gags and writing um, sitcom episodes, and I was thinking a little bit about this as I was watching these, these uh, read-throughs, um, and I, I've been thinking a, a, about the difference between, uh, you know, being someone who is an actor and somebody who is a stand-up. Uh, it's really, it was great to watch these um, actors, mm. these people like Amelia Bullimore, Bull Greg McHugh, mm. who, are, you know, have got just great comic mm. timing, yeah. uh, but they didn't have uh, what an actor normally has. And, and uh, you know, actors, actors normally have props and a scene they've got a lot of stuff doing work for them yeah uh stand-ups and you know people presenting shows like newsjack they are just the person with the microphone so you've got you, you have to think a little bit about the differences about what what's what's the difference between uh you know just writing a gag for a stand-up and writing jokes mm. for uh for a, a longer narrative piece mm. and so um and i think both both disciplines can learn from each other, really. So when you've got the stand, you've got a stand-up um, who can break the fourth wall, can talk to the audience, can mm. sort of react. But that's in terms of for you as a writer, that's not such a big thing. But it is something that a stand-up is aware of, uh, and they they can always use that. But then uh, you know, the, the, an actor is not being you know it, i wasn't watching a media bullimore last night i was watching a performance yeah i was watching her playing a something uh, playing yeah. a character and being that character and you know that's the kind of the the, the train i suppose the difference there between a training so as you say the training to be a stand-up comedian is to stand in front of an audience and tell jokes yeah and they either laugh or they don't the training for an actor is way more complex than that you know you work yeah. on you you do rehearsals yeah. you you work on plays from 500 years ago you work on modern play you know you just do and and, and then of course sort of the main difference is you work with other people and, and an actor is a team player. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of, in a sense, you, you don't have that when you're writing for an individual. So if you are writing for an individual, you want to kind of, you, you, you need to kind of build a world in the words that they, they say. Yeah, yeah. As much as, you know, because you don't have the props and you don't have, you don't have the person standing next to them who, you know, they're, they're a sort of, very attractive woman and here's a very ugly man standing next to her who thinks he's in with a chance with yeah. her or something you don't you can't uh you, you have to 
portray that with the words of the of, of the writer. So you kind of have to think think about what people can see, think mm. about the picture that people see, and try and create that picture when yeah. you're writing yeah. stand-up material. The, as you're talking about that, the thing that's coming to my mind is how weirdly the big comedy performances at least and the big comedies on BBC One at least, which is always my preferences for mainstream comedy, is they're based around a central performance of a character who has an element of stand-up to them. So you've got uh, Mrs Brown, who is a character, admittedly in a world, but she breaks a fourth wall all the time. And you've got Miranda. I know the show finished a while ago. Um but that's still the name that jumps to mind, where she talks directly to the audience and does little bits to camera. Like yeah. when she's in a hotel room, she talks about, don't you just love a hotel room? And she does a series of observations about yeah. how exciting it is to be in a hotel room. And then you've got um, Not Going Out, yeah. which is Lee Mack slightly, um, although there is character there, yeah. there is an element of people are setting them up and he's yeah. knocking them down. Very much also, unashamedly, you know, I've been to a lot of the recordings of that show. You know, Lee, Lee is the first to admit he is not an actor. Mm. He, you're, and, and, and you are getting you, Lee Mack, the comedian, yeah. who has been plonked into the actor's yeah. situation and there's all these brilliant actors around him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's not, he doesn't ham it up Mrs. Brown's wise. He doesn't no, no. talk to camera like Miranda, but yeah. he, he, he's aware of that he's he's being Lee Mac live yeah. in a room of actors yeah. in a in a made up flat yeah. in a, you know in and a I guess my my only observation therefore before we sort of land this in uh, so what uh, territory is I think because the comedies of uh, of yesteryear that are still being repeated on uh, UK Gold the the porridges and the steptoes mm -hmm. of this world. Um, came from a feeling of of rep theatre, yeah, where you had comedy actors who were versatile, could pick stuff up, could do it quickly, and therefore you get the two great sitcom actors mm. of all time, in my view, being Ronnie Barker and Leonard Rossiter, yeah, um, in particular, right. And so these were people who you know, because if you can play Rigsby and yeah. you can play Reggie Perrin, and mm. if you can play Fletcher. Mm. And you can play Arkwright. Yeah. You're really, there's really something special going on. And you're not thinking about Fletcher when he's playing Arkwright. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not thinking about Reggie Perrin when he's mm. being Rigsby. Which, funnily but, enough, I had, a, I, I had that experience watching Greg McHugh last night playing two very different characters. Right. Uh, reading from script and giving each character something completely different. Mm. I mean, they, they weren't dissimilar characters but yeah. they were different enough and he he played them yeah. different enough to make me think wow that guy is yeah he's you can't see the he, there's no yeah the, yeah you, you can't see the join between the two voices that's yeah. always so yeah, that, yeah. that was vocally the most talented person i've ever worked with is uh, lucy montgomery oh yeah and yeah, yeah. my goodness you would you would not know it was the same person yeah. if you were listening right uh, at home when she used to do she used to be available to do the milton jones show but right. um, she's um she's she's too successful for us now right. so we got same yeah. with dave lamb as well we used to be able yeah. to get dave but yeah. dave has gone on to pastures new um but my but i guess my observation and comment is that my worry is that we've slightly lost this tradition of being able to write for actors mm. and actors there are lots of actors who would love to be in a sitcom i'm sure but if you're a really well-known actor 
why would you want to be in a sitcom, especially a mainstream one, mm. where all you're going to do is have uh, snobby critics basically dance on your grave. Yeah. Um, and also, it just, it just feels like we're in danger of losing that art of meeting, mm. of marrying acting talent with yeah. writing talent because we've got this writer-performer thing that's come mm. through, which does also produce lots of great comedy. Mm. Um, but unless you've got an auteur like Armando Inucci, who is a mm. non-performing actor, although he performs perfectly well as a presenter and comedian, but not as, a, mm. uh, not as an actor, it just feels like I, I don't quite know... A, if we have the heritage of knowing how to get all that stuff that's worthy of being in a play mm. on a page for a sitcom. And if you do do that, whether it would be recognised or whether you have to slightly cheat it and sweeten it with jokes that sort of work in any context. Mm. I don't know, is that fair? Well, I think uh, this, this, this is almost, for me, is another episode because it's something that I've been thinking a lot about. And, and it is about the... Um, the, the the tradition of um, the audience and com the, the relationship between audience and comedy. And and I think the, the, the problem, the thing that I think has been my fault, and, mm. and maybe we've done a bit too much of, we tend to, we've been thinking about in our sort of era, in our lifetimes, and we have gone very much from the rep theatre actors yeah. playing great good, characters the, yeah the good life yeah and uh, decreasing circles and the yeah the so the writers being you yeah. know the writers are the writers and the yeah. performers are the performers and it's and normally two blokes who are at school together <laughs> yeah yeah or, or yeah. met in a tb sanatorium yes. in the case of yeah. golden simpson um so so, that, um, so there was that and then uh and, and that's changed now, and a lot of the shows are the writer-performer, uh, and that, that it's their idea, and it's them, and they are, they're, they're brilliant at being themselves, and, mm. you know, Lee Mack can be Lee Mack in Not Going Out, but you can't, you couldn't imagine Lee Mack as... Well, there, there's uh, another show which he is he, He's in? doing, yes, yeah. so, 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 as live okay. show, so... He's probably, I mean, he's become such a, you know, a skilled performer yeah. that he's... Potentially, he probably could be, yeah. you know, an actor in another a real actor, show. a real actor, <laughs> quite possibly, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you, but generally, I mean, uh, it just makes me think of. Um, I love that bit in in comedians in cars getting coffee, yeah, where Seinfeld and John Oliver are having a moment, and John Oliver has been in um, Community, yeah. And it's really funny how they they talk about the fact that they both knew that they were easily the worst actor on set <laughs> yeah. and 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 they both had the same moment where they're in a scene and it's being filmed and somebody is acting next to them and they've taken a moment just to go wow that's really good <laughs> and then realizing oh it's I'm, me i'm on <laughs> yes i'm on now yes i just love the honesty of that where they yeah. both think we are total chances uh, but it's interesting isn't it how yeah. two wildly successful people especially jerry seinfeld mm. should should still feel like an imposter yeah next to Obviously, the comparison would be Kelsey Grammer in Frasier yeah, or something yeah. like that, where you've got actors rather mm. than comedians. Yeah. But again, that comes from Cheers yeah. when they were casting actors, although there were star vehicles in America too, yeah. so we can't... But what know. I was to, to come back to the point I was making, that actually we need to go back and back and back. And actually, if you think about the tradition of audience sitcom, it feels to me it's much more in the tradition of uh, the... the if you look at a Shakespeare play, yeah. even something like The Merchant of Venice, which you think is about Shylock and uh, and uh, uh, Pound of Flesh and all that, then there's this whole sort of B-plot going on in mm. The Merchant of Venice with these guys 
comedy guys just doing their little comedy spiels mm. uh, and and not knowing enough about academically how mm. you know the Shakespeare plays came about but I think what ha what tended to happen was there were a lot of great comic stars of the time mm. and Shakespeare would use them and he would just crowbar their sets in and give them stuff and to you do know, there's, well yeah. and, and and the whole kind of Lancelot Gobbo B plot in Merchant of Venice right. is just nothing to do with the rest of it. And you sort of sense, well, maybe this guy was some big star, and it's basically him doing his act, right? As okay, in between, okay. you know, while we wait for the big trial scene, yeah. you know, oh, here's Lancelot Gobbo again, yes, a bit right. of light relief, yeah. and. And you go back further to, not much further, uh, Commedia dell'arte, the, the Italian uh, okay. form of comedy, which, again, I don't know enough about, I should do, but somebody, one of our Patreon uh, members yeah. has been right, studying it and writing it and, and, and saying, look, and I think he took something like Blackadder, mm. and he said, you know, like, these are the characters, Blackadder, they are these 14th century, 15th century comedy characters. And then you go move a bit forward and you've got pantomime and then you've got music hall and then you've got audience sitcom and then you've got stand-up so actually the whole the whole the whole sum of the live audience yeah. experience goes back hundreds and hundreds of years so i think i think rather than look at i've decided now rather than look and write a performance as the sort of as the enemy which i sort of have been doing even okay. though even though that's what i've done most of my life and i've started doing more performance yeah. within an ecclesiastical space at least but it's still yeah you know, yeah sure it, yeah. so it's kind of well it, it's one more thing to yeah. throw into the pot and let's rather rather than uh fight it let's just say well and let's not forget you know the 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 big, the larger-than-life pantomime, how mm. that all came about, and all and, and all all this other stuff. Let's throw all that in there as well, and remember that it's a big show. Yeah. It's it's showbiz. We need to assemble. We need to assemble some guests to talk to about the form, yeah. shouldn't we? Yeah. I'm thinking this is the this is the time we should go and talk to Roy Hudd. Yeah. No, that, Isn't it? Actually, yes, we should try um, and he was catch a, him. He was a proper comedy... Mm. He's a proper comedy geek, isn't he? Yeah. And so he'll have a bit of perspective on this and mm. maybe one or two others. We're talking on a day that... If you're listening, we, Roy, do get have, in touch. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I mean, that would be... Uh, it would be marvellous to... Uh, yeah. To, Although to the problem with them. these guys is they keep just going... I tell you what, though, but, you know, when I used to do this thing with Max Miller, he used to come back to me and, say, and it's just like, oh, yeah. they're so full of brilliant stories that I you want to hear. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. We, but we should do something a bit yes, more... Yes, we, well. we, we had a little... Uh, Twitter conversation a few days ago mm. with a writer, somebody asked something about the difference between the news headlines and weekending. About eight quid. <laughs> brilliant. Incorporation there. there. Very yeah, good. Yeah. Thank you very much, yeah. James. That's yeah. very good. Yeah, uh, yeah carry on. <laughs> and, and it was, you know, and very, there were very few people at the time who wrote for both shows, and they are often like the people who are the best writers, people like Simon Blackwell, yeah. um, Paul B. Davis, Jed Parsons. They were, they could, they, they could work either space mm. perfectly well um and um simon blackwell said you know the weekending was more cerebral and and, and you know you had to kind of uh, be on know, know your know your news and hudlines was much more end of the pier but you yeah. but, but actually a hudlines was often a kind of more uh, would end up being more satirical i thought right. than weekending it actually made points and roy hud was fantastic in that yeah. and that so um i still keep thinking of um the, the things he used to say where he would do a joke and then he would say they're advancing on me listeners uh, <laughs> you, know, <it's,
isn't it? Oh, and that, fantastic. And again, yeah. it goes back to what we were saying at the start of the show about how a comedy performance, you know, mm. uh, really transforms mm. good writing. Yeah. I mean, it also gives a free pass to some pretty ordinary writing as well. But, you know, uh, it is it is kind of trying to think about your writing in terms of how it can be performed and, and to think of it. And I think that's really helpful, uh, Dave, what you're saying about... Uh, rather than just thinking I'm uh, I'm the next Galton and Simpson, mm. the 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 days of Galton and Simpson have gone. Yeah. We now live in a world which has had the days of Galton and Simpson and Esmond and Larby and Carla Lane and Victoria yeah. Wood and all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of exciting. And there's lots of new stuff coming on now, which is not particularly mainstream. Some of it works, some of it doesn't work. There's loads of it I've, I'm aware that I've just actually not seen. No, I know. Well, that's like I checked, mm. like I was saying to you the other day, I checked there were seven sitcoms, mm. new sitcoms on. And, you know, three or four of them, I had absolutely no idea who they were. Yeah. The people, I looked through all the, you know, there's a one about some zombies on a canal or something. Yeah. Someone said, oh, yeah, you must watch that. It's really good. It's on Comedy Central or something. Yeah. I don't know. I've, yeah. I've lost track of some of the, the yeah. channels as well mm. but it is now we're sounding like two proper old yeah. farts aren't we yeah, oh, we dear, do but to, to again to bring it back to you know well what 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 can i do about this sitting in my room trying to write you know trying to work out what to do next and we do say you know meet see people who are starting out now as performers and they, they're they're finding their way and they might have some sort of character if it's something that you like and you know go and go and see them play doing 10 minute sets in, yeah. in clubs and introduce yourself and say yeah. you know like i've got ideas for i think how you could develop and you know you, you can help writer performers get their thing on and you attach yourself to writer performer so you could be for for instance like you know jack dees always writes his sitcoms with pete sinclair mm. uh you know well you write you work with milton yeah. you know and lee lee mack always makes sure he has writers i mean he mm. writes with, mainly with danny peak yeah but then he has other people. But that, but that was not uh, yeah. Danny's plan when he started out, was it? No. I mean, Danny was writing episodes of, um, oh, he wrote a thing I think called the Bunk Bed Boys. We should get Danny, definitely yeah. get Danny onto the show. But then there was, um, he wrote quite a lot of My Parents Are Aliens, I That's think. That's the one, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he sort of became you know involved mm. in Paul Carenza as well writes with uh, Lee yeah. Mack a bit and that's mm. partly through working on Radio 2 when Lee had a, like a sort of a sketch show yeah. kind of thing going on. Mm -hmm. So I think it's helpful. I mean, you, you talk about being a writerpreneur, um, which I think, <laughs> which, you're, which you're laughing at now, but actually it's a perfectly good way of describing it. It's, it's just a question of, you know, I know, I know you've got to put the kids to bed and I know you've got stuff to do and I know that you've got, you know, you've got jury duty or you've got a job and all those sorts of things. But if you can just sort of put yourself in a place where serendipity might happen, mm. I think... So I'm yeah, actually, after recording this episode, I'm, just, I'm going to a thing tonight, which is actually a, a lecture... Um, which is actually a church-related thing. But one of the reasons I'm going is because there'll just be people there. And I don't really know who's going to be there, but I might have a conversation with someone that could lead to something. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm sure I'll have a nice time. I might see one or two people I know. But I've actually driven all the way from London, sorry, all the way to London to do that for two right. and a half hours. Mm -hmm. To and then recording this podcast is a bit of a bonus. Yeah. Um, but in order, so admit it, James, you've really only come here for the podcast. Yeah. You? <laughs> but I've to, but it, it's a five-hour round trip mm. in order to just be in the sort of place where serendipity might happen. Right. And let's and you know, I'm theoretically a successful writer. If you see what I mean, yeah, yeah. As in most, I'm aware that I've I've worked most of the year. It's not been mm. a particularly brilliant, uh, profitable year, but I've written an episode of CBBC. Mm. I'm writing six more Milton Joneses. Um, I've written a couple of things for an Amazon, uh, a short kids Amazon show. Um, 
So, you know, I've been, it's been ticking over fine, yeah. but you need to kind of get out there and be in places. Well, I can't think of many writers who are probably as successful as Georgia, uh, Georgia Pritchett. Absolutely. But, you know, she's, she's got a comedy drama on her hands and, um, yeah. you know, she's, she, she wants to, she, she's not yet, for whatever reason, yeah. that comedy drama is, isn't happening. Yeah. And, and there she is in the Museum of London, comedy. the Museum of Comedy, yeah. with, the, with audience with, of about 50, 60, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with um, some great actors, just like, oh, let's have a read, let's yeah. have a go. So um, I think that's taken us nicely full yeah. circle to the end of the show. Yeah, well, I've just got one more difference to say, though. Okay, quickly, go on then. Which is, what is the difference uh, between... And, and this is something, because I've been t doing a lot of teaching and talking about writing scripts. Okay. Uh, and uh, there's a very subtle difference, but it, it's there nonetheless, and it's quite important. And it's the difference between... Uh, the, one of the main things we always talk about, character and story. Yeah. But actually, the difference between character and characters... And story and stories. Okay. And uh, eight quid's not going to work as a no. punchline to that particularly well, is it? What's no. the difference between character and characters? Well, it could be eight quid and fifteen quid, maybe. Oh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you've, you, you know, you've, uh, you've overegged that one. I, I've uh, overegged yeah, it, you're, yeah. You're but gilding you know, the lily, there. Gil, yeah. So, so what have you, what have you come? What conclusions are you coming to? The on conclusion there? is that generally, and I know people write odd couples uh, sitcoms or family sitcoms or whatever, but you're always, most of the time, I think you are looking at a character, aren't you? You're, you're creating a, you're, what, you're looking when you're doing a new show to come up with a person who has a thing that is familiar and yet you've got this take that only you you're the only person who can do this now is the only time that it can be done mm. and you know that's that's what you're doing so you're forming your that that that, that character uh is is the kind of crucial thing and you know and and it also means as in character showing character character what is the, the some of the parts of this person right and then when you have well, but then when you think about characters then everything else everyone else feeds into that so your character on its own right is this thing and that's the thing you put all the work into to begin with but then you start to see how can you make that character funny and compelling and and you're using the other characters around them and so it's what is it about those characters those secondary characters that is directly feeding in to yeah. them as a bonus you might then find oh character two and character three have something as well but mm. actually they're all feeding into character one i guess the obvious you know we've mentioned fraser far too often but we're going to mm. mention it anyway you they had a spin-off show with a with a with a psychiatrist uh, or psychologist psychiatrist, psychiatrist that we that we all knew and loved, and they mm. thought let's have two characters either mm. side of him that are going to drive him mad, and one is a more successful version of him, yeah. or a, or a more respected version of him, and a and a blue collar ex cop dad, <laughs> and so those and those substitute characters become characters in their own right very yeah. very quickly. Yeah, yeah. But in a way, that's kind of thinking. It's not just a random bunch of characters, is it? Mm. You're thinking, what, what, what is my, mm. what is my main character's main thing? Yeah, and how can I place people around that who will? And you get the actual physical embodiment mm. of it. And I know I've talked a lot about the chair and how mm. quickly that turns up in the first, the pilot episode of Frasier. But actually, so much of the, the of Frasier is the, his 
mm. uh, flat yeah. is you know his world yeah. and and everything else is about yeah. the what gets in the way of his world and we've talked a bit about that on our our soup to nuts series so if you're a patreon subscriber mm. you can hear us talk um, for at least 14 episodes at the time of recording <laughs> on us creating a new show and um, for radio, which we're eventually going to write and do, and be, we're sort of doing it all in front of uh, your very ears, as it were. And in the last time we recorded, we thought about how um, there's an opening scene where we have a character giving a speech at a significant moment and then realising, actually, wouldn't it be great if we had a statue uh, that represents mm. that character's family and the local council are basically going to tear it down and build a, uh, you know, a dual carriageway or whatever well, it is. Luxury flats. And I, I, in fact, I had a thought about that the other day. It's, oh, great. It's, it's actually a, a, you know, a Chinese company yeah. that uh, is just kind of building hotels right, okay. around Britain. And that, that also that kind of feeds into the whole, all the themes that yeah. our thing is about anyway. Absolutely, yeah. So you know, you're just trying to work out, stuff. so yeah. in, initially when you're starting out, you are kind of just grabbing stuff from anywhere and you're just trying to survive and they completely mm. understand that. But after a while, you do need to start to think, well, everything should be mm. contributing to the main thing. You are putting together a recipe that works together yeah. rather than rather than a tapas board of things and you hope that people will like some of it yeah and that brings me to the last point which is what is the difference between story and stories and it's something that i hadn't really looked at in detail but it's become very clear to me and, and again we're reading a lot of scripts and we do we, we say this a lot is that uh you know we get a, we get too much backstory mm. uh but you, people feel they have to tell us the backstory or you feel you have to tell it. i feel like i have to tell a backstory mm. when i'm writing a script and but actually the story Frazier is, you know, he's he's pompous. He's uh, he he thinks, you know, he's he's brilliant psychiatrist, but he's terrible at solving his own mm. problems. Um, uh, Dad's army, you know, I don't know, Mannering thinks he's he's Mannering thinks he should be in charge, he, yeah. and everyone knows that that Wilson yeah. should be in charge. That's the story. That's that's underlying. Okay, mm. but then. The store that that's the, the the stories the yeah. plots and again we talked about plots in mm. the last uh, episode and and these are the things that as you said in the last episode mm. they don't sound very exciting but they are once you put your characters you put on top of it the character's story mm. so it's X's birthday is not an exciting plot no. but then when it's Cameron in Modern Family's birthday and you know that. He wants, you know, he wants yeah. uh, fireworks, dancing girls, the whole yeah. work. Yeah, without having you know, to, he, yeah. dropping massive hints for it, yeah. but without ever actually saying it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And suddenly it becomes all bound up in his character. Yeah. And all bound up in that relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at, or, or in fact, going to Brooklyn Nine Nine when it's uh, Jake's birthday, or is his stag night, or what? One of these things, and and of course Charles has to be the one who has to organise it, and it has to be the most phenomenally organised yeah. thing. Yeah, and elaborate it, uh, and food-based. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and it's all about, all, all that it's about is Charles loves Jake, yeah. and, you know, he wants to marry him and have his children. Yeah, he sort of hero-worships <laughs> yeah. in the end, that's and a that's, way. You know, uh, uh, and, but that, uh, the, the, it's, it's a long way from that, but we, that, that, 
and and the, the thing is ridiculous. I don't mm. know if you know that episode. Yeah, no, I do know it, that it's one. Just, yeah. uh, go, you know, there's the, the, the most obviously like stuff that couldn't happen. And, you know, it would have cost a million dollars to do, but we believe it. It's, yeah. it's not real, but it's believable, and it's at the heart of it is Charles is in love with Jake. Yeah. And that's all that matters. And yeah, he yeah. wants Jake and to our, love and, him yeah. back. And Jake is in love with um, the captain, isn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, Holt, keep, yeah. Yeah, keeps seeing him as a father figure or yeah. wishes that he'd been his dad. And yeah. Um, but yeah, all, all of the stories become subsets yeah. of, of the bigger story, don't they? Yeah. And so in a way, what I, what I like about the sitcom, and I've done this on previous podcasts, say a sitcom is like a, if, if you're English, a biscuit. <laughs> if you're American, a cookie. Um, all biscuits are basically the same, as in, if you like Highland sh- Shorties, I saw mm. a Highland Shorty the other day, I thought, I haven't seen one of those for a while. Whatever it is, you just know what you're going to get. Yeah. And it's delicious, and you want another one, and next time you have one, it, you know, it's, it's the same experience. Yeah. And a sitcom really is, I think, at least one version of sitcoms and sitcoms that people that tend to be very successful... <laughs> Uh, where people are just familiar and friendly and they they as in as in we know what we're getting mm. so we we are we feel comfortable with del boy in only fools and horses because we know who he is what he's trying to do yeah. even though he goes on a huge story arc over the course of the years yeah. he's still the same person once yeah. he stops being a small-time crook which is kind of how he starts but um they don't show those episodes very mm. often um, I don't. But think it's I, more I, like I'm it's, not sure I've heard the the, the James Carey biscuit sitcom. Oh, okay. Well, it's more. Before. But it's yeah. It's so it's not. You're not trying to. So like a a movie is like a three course meal, isn't it? Where <laughs> okay. you where you yeah. sort of you, you try a new restaurant. It's a new thing. Yeah. Whereas there's something. You've, you've got your favourite biscuit, you've got your favourite takeaway, you've got your favourite thing, and you order the same thing, and it's right. delicious. Yeah. And so you watch an episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine. And you know what you're going to get. And every yeah, episode, yeah. they're not the same, but they sort of are the same. Yeah. But you like that. Mm. Um, and if they did an episode, very occasionally they do an episode which is like, oh, it's just one of the characters in one situation and mm. that's it. People don't like those. No. The writers love writing them. Yeah. Um, and you can get away with one in a series. Yeah. Um, but overall, there's mm. just a familiarity. Yeah. And, the, you know... They knew this in the 80s. This, watch Allo Allo. That is the mm. ultimate distilled, preposterous version of a sitcom, isn't yeah. it? Where you have at least 15 characters right. who all say the same thing every flipping yeah. week, even well, though there's a war on. Dad's Army, of yeah. course, was the... the sort of, yeah, I, I don't the know Dad's Army as well. I do, but yeah. with Allo Allo, it's just like, uh, yeah. you know, listen very carefully, I should say this only yeah. once, and you stupid woman, and hello, yeah. you know, and that kind of... Mm. Um, Dad's Army is just catchphrase yeah. after catchphrase, yeah. really. And so there's that familiarity. And I know yeah. that there are other kinds of sitcoms that are much more sort of outre and challenging and existential, and, and that's all fine too. Mm. But... They, those can only exist because of this Rolls-Royce format, which yeah. is essentially just offering you the same experience every week with the characters that yeah. you love. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheers being the ultimate example of a place where everyone, everybody knows your name. And it yeah. was only as I was thinking about this the other day, I wrote an article, I'm writing an article for a, an American website called Theopolis, so it's sort of church-related. Um, mm-hmm. But just thinking, blimey, Norm's a real loser, isn't he? <laughs> You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like he spends all of his time in that bar. Mm. And that's kind of sad. He's got a wife mm. called Vera that we literally mm. never see. Um, and you know what I mean? And yet we love him. Yeah. And yeah. when he walks in and everyone, my, my older sisters used to do it because I was quite young yeah. when it was on. 
Um, you know, they used to love the bit where he walks in, hey, everybody, Norm! Everybody yeah. shouts Norm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a place where everybody knows your yeah. name. And it's just like, oh. So that, to me, yeah. is a sitcom. And that's why I compare it to the, to the cookie mm. or the biscuit. Uh, is because it's just like, oh. I'm probably going to tell this wrong now, but this is gonna, someone posted again on Twitter yeah. or Facebook or something, you know, the greatest joke ever. And it's a, it's like a minute scene of the, on from Cheers, a character we've not seen before. It's like, hey, buddy, you know, it's 10 years. Uh, he's like, God, I used to come here all the time. It's completely changed. And, you know, that uh, that's that those stairs, they weren't there. That was something else. And I remember the decor and yeah. it had a different uh, wood panelling and, yeah. and that was all completely different. And then you didn't have this and, uh, hi norm and then this was all it and that was it yeah. oh that's great yeah. isn't it mm. that's really good beautiful yeah beautiful. that's so funny mm. cool well it feels like we've we've hammered all of that into the ground um at least <laughs> yes. but that's really helpful in terms of just thinking how the difference between characters and character mm. and how that character is at the heart of your sitcom and the difference between stories and story mm. Um, it's so, an important difference because we do still read too many scripts where the backstory is a part of it. And the, yeah. the backstory, we need to that needs to yeah. unravel over yeah. the over the. It's his birthday. Yeah. or he's won the. And you'd be surprised at how many sitcoms you one reads, which are it's episode one. It's his birthday, and you think, yeah. oh blimey, <laughs> or an inspector calls essentially. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, so, I've just started watching Succession, which everybody says is the most brilliant thing, and it's what's written it by on? Jesse Armstrong. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay, uh, and it begins with the main character's birthday. Okay, it can be done. It can be done. The yes. rules do not apply to yeah. to Jesse Armstrong no. and Georgia Pritchard. And although, Roach, although yeah. when it doesn't work, you know that it doesn't work because yeah. they've broken the rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, there we go. Well, that was this episode. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. You can um, follow Dave on Twitter at Dave Cohen, Dave Cohen Comedy. Dave or, Cohen Comedy. And we're on Sitcom Geeks. Actually, I shall be. Um, Tweeting a lot between now and Christmas, I was saying, or may, maybe Christmas has gone. I don't know. Christmas will be cancelled by the next yeah. government. Ah, right. Okay. Yes. Be, um, be they evil yes. Tories or evil Labour. But I'm going to be. I've got uh, um, the uh, my, my my comedy writer, complete comedy writer book, uh, which is available. Lovely Christmas present for some of you, if you mm. want. But I'm going to be uh, tweeting some. And Facebooking some sort of interesting stories from the from my past to try and justify why I think I can bring out a book called The Complete Comedy Writer. Ah, oh, that's um, good. Uh, which is to say that you know there are uh, I've had as, as many disasters as I have had successes. Okay. So I'll be writing about lots of my Show interesting disasters. Yeah, no, interesting. In my career over the years. And if also if you're looking for a Christmas present. You can't give someone writing that sitcom for Christmas, which is my ebook, mm. which is available um, via Amazon. But for a religious theme. But if you are interested in how <laughs> jokes work and how they go wrong, especially within the realm of religion, you can buy um, The Sacred Art of Joking, which is my book. And you can also get a signed copy directly from me if you go to jamescarey.co.uk and order it through my website. Um, then you can do that. You can also join us on Patreon, and we're very excited that we've, we've had lots of entrants to our sitcom competition, and we mm. are reading those, and we will have more news on that in the new year. Yep. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do, but it is brilliant that we've had lots of scripts. And Thank hopefully, you very much for all of those. Yeah, and them in. the upside of that is also we will be reading the kinds of scripts that you are writing, and so mm. hopefully 
in 2020, we can make this podcast even more useful um, to, you know, uh, to writers trying to break into the industry and writers who thought they'd broken in, but it turned out they hadn't, and writers who were trying to break out. Um, there are all kinds of permutations of that. Cool. I think we're done. Excellent. I think so. Thanks yeah. for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.